name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So, when I was growing up, my dad, he's uh, very old school, and old school Chaldean parents, uh, especially my dad, he taught me how to read Chaldean at a young age. That was like, I guess, the thing in the villages, which I didn't understand at that time, but, you know, I was 12 years old and we were, you know, always practicing reading Surat, and, you know, I thought, okay, it's going to stop there, everything's all good, all, and by the way, it was, um, it was really hard to do, you know, it was something that I always, I was always grinding my teeth about and not wanting to do it, but in any case, it happened, I did it, and uh, it ended there. So I thought it ended there. And then, you know, once that happened, then he's like to me, look, we're gonna go to Mass on Sunday, and you're gonna chant this part, you know, like right here. I said, okay, now you're asking for too much. Okay, one thing, okay, it's good, we're gonna learn Aramaic, that's all good, but there's no way I could stand up here and you know, chant this thing. I was 12 years old, you know, I was filled with fear. So he said, no, you're gonna do it. I said, okay, I guess I have no choice. So I uh, came up here and you know, my knees were shaking, my palms were sweaty. I could you know, still remember how traumatic that was for me. And I said, it chanted this simple part and you know, it ended right then and there. But something that caused that instilled so much fear in me was, okay, what if I mess up? You know, that's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing, you know, to mess up in front of hundreds of people uh, during mass, or maybe, you know, I'm gonna trip walking up here. I don't know, you know, a bunch of things were going through my mind, and uh, it just filled, it instilled me with fear, like I said. And that embarrassment, obviously, was from some sort of attachment of not wanting to mess up. You know, sure, a lot of us have gone through some sort of attachment like that where, okay, because I don't want to embarrass myself or have people think of me differently, I'm just going to avoid doing this thing and embarrassing myself. Okay. Now, the reason why I mention this is because think about the things that you're embarrassed of. Think about what embarrasses you. And the reason why I mention that is because behind each embarrassment, is some sort of disordered attachment. When we're overly attached to things, it causes a disordered sort of view of what embarrassment is. Sure, there's things that naturally embarrass anyone, objectively speaking, but things that shouldn't be embarrassing are all of a sudden very embarrassing and we never want to do. For example, even when it comes to, you know, very simple things like the car we drive, no, it's, it's embarrassing if I don't drive the car of the year that I'm living in, you know? And we'll give ourselves some excuses. Oh, you know, it's because of safety purposes. You know, this car for is safer than the year before it, so there's, you know, no way I could drive the car from the year before it. We start to mask these certain attachments that we have. But really what's happening is we're too embarrassed to show who we really are inside. And then this rolls over to, I don't know, let's say a massive house on top of the mountain. No, you know, it's for safety purposes or, you know, I really want to get away from the community. It's more, you know, uh, there's more solitude in that area. Or, you know, my cousins come from Michigan once a year, so I have to have a house with 10 bedrooms. You know, it, it always has to be available. What's happening there is there is an attachment that we're trying to convince ourselves that we do not have a problem. We do not have a disordered problem of being so attached to things in this world. And obviously the list goes on. Those are you know, just a few examples. Why do I mention this? 
is because we see this disordered attachment happening in this gospel today. The chief priests and the elders could not stand that Jesus was so perfect and virtuous that he wasn't disorderedly attached to the things of this world. And, and they couldn't believe it to a point where Jesus goes in the, into the temple, the very dwelling place of God, and that is where they attack him. They tell him, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Who gave you this authority to do all of these great things? Now, how do we know that this is all about disordered attachments? It's because the way Jesus responds. Who does he use as a response? He says, okay, I'll tell you. He sort of gets to their level. I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Answer this simple question. John the Baptist. So now he brings John the Baptist into the picture. John the Baptist, whom he has, you know, honored and who he's showed us that this man is a man built in virtue. He, he describes him as a weed, as a reed that cannot be shaken by the wind. A reed that is instilled in such solid foundation, nothing can move him. So, okay, he's using a virtuous man that does not have these disordered attachments. He says, okay, tell me his baptism. Where did it come from, heaven or from men? And this is what gets really profound, the response. So then St. Matthew tells us that these are discussing. Okay, if we say it's from heaven, then he's gonna say, why didn't you believe me? That it came from. So now we're gonna look bad men. Okay, we know everyone loves John the Baptist. So now we're gonna look bad in front of people. Now we're, you know, everyone's gonna hate us. This simple question asked by Jesus reveals everything that was happening in their hearts. Sometimes we need that. Because again, we like to mask things all the time. We like to give ourselves excuses all the time. And we like to you know, paint this picture and justify the reasons why we do certain things just to sort of help us sleep at night. But Jesus gives us the reality as it is. What embarrasses us? What causes us embarrassment? Is it an objective view of you know, any person would be embarrassed by this certain thing? Or are we so attached to that materialistic good that now, all of a sudden, everything causes us to rethink the way our image is in front of the community, how our image looks in front of strangers, how our image looks in front of you know, whoever it may be. And the reason why I mention this is because, well, okay, we could lie to ourselves, we could sort of put this, as they say, this Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. It'll stop the bleeding for a little bit, but at some point, we need to look at that wound and, let, and sort of allow it to be healed the right way. And Jesus qualifies this by the next thing he mentions. Then he doesn't stop there with them. He sees what's happening with their indecisiveness and not being able to answer the question. So then he doubles down. Then he says, okay, what do you think about this? You say we don't know, we're not gonna answer that question. Okay, what do you think about this? A father sends two sons out to go work. One said, I will not, but then he repented and went. And one said, I'll go, but never went. A liar, the second one is a liar. And Jesus says, okay, who do you think did the right thing? Who was justified in this parable? And they said, 
the one that you know said he wouldn't, but then he ended up repenting and going to work for his father. He ended up doing the thing that he was supposed to do. And Jesus says yes. And he reminds them that tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you do. And that is because they realized what was wrong and fixed it. Brothers and sisters, realizing what is wrong in our hearts and how overly attached we are to things that cause us unnecessary embarrassment, unnecessary anxiety to live up to some sort of societal standard, that is us not taking this gospel into consideration and that's us not being able to have, uh, to allow Christ to reveal our hearts to ourselves and help us to become like those who repent. Okay, maybe we do have a problem, but it's not too late. Maybe we are overly attached to so many things, but Jesus helps us understand, number one, our attachment, and gives us a grace to turn towards him. That's, that's what repentance literally means in the Greek, turning towards, moving a different direction. So today, brothers and sisters, as we are here preparing to receive the Eucharist, let us turn our hearts in a different direction, and that direction being towards Christ. Amen.